Welcome to Series 5 of Industry Minds. My name's Owen Woodgate from Tax for Actors. We are over the moon to be sponsoring this series. It really is one of the best yet. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Minds, a podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Scarlett Maltman, and today we are joined by the lovely Emmanuel Kojo. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So we always start with a word association game. Are you prepared? Are you ready? No. no. <laughs> you smash it. You need to be... We, we, we normally put like a stopwatch on sometimes, so you need to do... I want this to be the quickest one ever, okay? Okay. Okay, okay here we go. Sensation crisps. Salt and vinegar. Yankee candles. I have none. <laughs> none. Terrible. Writing. Uh, vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. Okay, <laughs> writing. Script. Ikea. Meatballs. Cooking. Chocolate. Uh, uh, chicken. Chiswick. <laughs> what? Chiswick. Chiswick. Chiswick House and Gardens. Dogs. Cleo and Petra. Fashion. Uh, Gucci. A flared jazz pant. Chris Hocking jazz. <laughs> Leftover mic tape on the neck. Disgusting. You done well. It was a little bit slow to start. I'm not going to lie, but you yeah. wouldn't the flow of it. it was yeah, I feel like it's still early, isn't it? It's, it's still it, a bit. It you is know. early. We're recording just after ten. You know, <laughs> we're pretty much still in lockdown. What is life? It's a bit much. <laughs> a bit much for the old brain. You done well. You done very very well. I love that you brought up. Um, What's my rating? What's my rating? We'll need to discuss, but I, <laughs> I don't think it's a high tier. I'm afraid. I'm oh, sorry. Next time, next time. Next time, next time. So anyway, we always start at the very beginning. What got you into the arts? Where did it all begin? Um, so it was actually, <laughs> it was actually when I was growing up in Austria and like everything, it always starts with a girl. So I really fancied this girl and she was in the drama club. So I decided to go along. And that was my first experience of drama. Well, like anything to do with the arts. So I went along with this girl and then I got to know her, got to know her and nothing came of it. But I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> that is like the most Emmanuel thing ever. About <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Literally everything starts with a girl. But here you are, here you are now. I know, I know. What what was the turning point that you were like, oh, okay, I want to pursue this more professionally? I think I think it was more college. I think it was kind of going to Pendleton College in Manchester. And I think that's when I learned about drama schools. And I, I remember GSA came up to audition at Pendleton. So I think that's when I really decided to take it serious. But then I didn't get in my first year. Because in my first year, I think I only auditioned for Arts Ed and GSA. Yeah. And then I didn't get in either. And then the following year, I auditioned for Arts Ed. And that's where you went. Yeah. Well, hey, fantastic. Um, and since you graduated, I mean, you've worked across 
theatre and TV like intensively. You've worked for Chichester Festival Theatre, Royal Arbut Hall, The National, Sheffield Crucible, as, as well as many West End production production, sorry, I can't talk this morning either, um, and a lot of work with BBC. You've done so much, but like what what kind of work are you interested in at this moment in time in the arts? I know it's a bit of a weird time because of theatres and the, the industry in general, but what aspect are you most drawn to? I think a part of me is like recently I've been auditioning for a lot more film and TV because that's realistically the only thing that's happening at the moment. But I think I do love theatre. Like, they're, they're, it's just amazing. But I think it's one of those things, it depends on... I'd like to just work on something that means something to me. I think there's a Paul Robeson film that, you know, they've been trying to make that happen for a very, very long time. And Paul Robeson is, to me, I think, one of my biggest heroes in the entire world. Like. Old Man River was written for him. And so it was one of those things I was just like, if I can play Young Robeson, that's my that's my dream. Because like when I left school, I had like three dream roles. And Porgy is the only one that I've got left now. So I was like, I need a new one. And that is that would be my newest dream role, to be in the Paul Robeson biopic. Well, fingers crossed that it happens. I'm sure it will. Are you, are you still writing? I remember a while ago, you're, you were writing a play. Yeah, so I... I started, I started writing something for theatre and then I kind of didn't touch it for a very, very long time. And then recently I started on something that I wanted to do for screen, kind of something a bit more modern. But I think I need to now, like, I haven't touched it for a while again, as I do with everything. But I'm going to invest in a laptop. I think that's what I need to do, invest in a laptop and then just lock myself away. Because I feel like in August because it's been my birthday and I've, I've got a little distracted. So I think post, I don't know, after this month, I think I'm just going to lock myself away for a little bit and just do some work. Yeah. It's been like the month of like social socializing again, isn't it? Yeah. It's been, it's because it, especially since my birthday, like on, on my birthday, I met some friends that we had, we had dinner and then we had drinks like on the common and stuff. And, I, and then ever since there's been, little really different events to kind of see friends and I don't know you know yeah it's been it's been a lot so I feel like now I've had a lot of fun recently and now it's just time for me because I've been even talking to a friend of mine about setting up a little business venture in the night night scene so well it's just I think now it's just time to just work yeah amazing amazing sounds fantastic so leading on to kind of mental health as this is a mental Mm -hmm. health podcast and um, what have your experiences been with mental health that can be from you personally or things that you've seen in your time in the arts it can be anything at all so I think I think for myself I, I I've seen it more around around me from friends and from people who were in my life until recently when I think I I think I was really depressed for a while and I, I think I think maybe I just wasn't aware not maybe I just wasn't I wasn't aware and then I think it really hit me when me and my ex-girlfriend broke up, like just at the start of lockdown. And I think all of that, I think, just impacted me in many, many ways. And I think I I was definitely like really down in the dark. Like, I think I have never felt that low in my life. And then I think from then on, I I got myself the most amazing therapist. 
And I don't know, it's been, it's been the most amazing transformative, I don't know, four or five months. And I think it's that thing of when you, once you start, I don't know, talking to a therapist or whatever, and you start doing work, I think you see, you see those things in yourself and you see it in people who are around you. I've started seeing it a lot more with friends who are, it's that thing of like the social mask that everyone puts on when they're out or when they're meeting people. And like, I think I definitely did it as well. Kind of, you know, you're not okay, but to everyone, you're literally like, yeah, I'm loving life and all of that. I've cut that stuff out because I just think it is so draining pretending you're okay when you're not. And I think it's been a, it's been a really interesting time to just like take time and focus on, I don't know, the, I guess what my top six, because I think it, for me, it all started from the breakup. And I think it, re- it really made me take time to go, I had to look at my toxic behavior. I had to look at her toxic behavior and then making sure to learn from that and how it impacted both of us or us individually. And I think that's been the most interesting thing and kind of, I don't know, like when we broke up, like I said, like I was hella miserable. And once I started seeing this therapist, I like I designed a program, like a fitness program to do because I was like, I've, I've done my PT qualifications and I've done nothing with it. So I designed a program that I could do just for myself during lockdown because I was like, I want to get fit. I want to get back into kind of doing things just for myself. And I've lost so much weight from, from doing this. I've, I feel better. And it, I, I think that's the thing. I think I used to do a lot of things for other people, as in I did it not for myself. I did it to impress somebody or I did it to make other people happy. And I think since this lockdown period, I've really had to take the time to focus on my mind and what actually makes me happy and what brings me happiness and whatever that is that is what I do and I think it's also having things like boundaries which I've never had in my life before like having clear and concise boundaries with people who are in my life and who I choose to allow into my life yeah amazing I think it's so brave as well to sit and especially during lockdown which is when you've done all this to sit and make those choices like it is such a hard and brave thing so I think you should honestly be so proud of yourself for doing that yeah I I think it's because like my friend said to me he was like it's a friend I went to drama school with Jacade and he kind of said to me you know like when when anything bad happens like we either have two choices you can you can take on that poison and let it affect you and your life or you can turn that poison into medicine and that is how we all assume like no matter what you're faced with it's, it's like, I don't know if many people have read this, but there's a book called uh, Seeds of the Soul by Gary Zukav. And it talks about that all our actions as humans are based in two things, either love or fear. And it's so true because when you do something good, it comes from a place of love or our insecurities, our anger, our whatever, they come from a place of fear. So anything a human does can literally be tracked down to literally an act of love or an act of fear. And it's so interesting to be aware of when we are acting out of a place of love and when we're acting out of a place of fear and thinking about that and how we then, I don't know, actively engage to choose to act out of a place of love rather than fear. And it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard to do that all the time. But I think it starts with being self-aware, I would say. Yeah. I need to look at that book. Yeah, literally. I think I've been saying to my friends, the four agreements, which is the Toltec wisdom, and then Gary Zukav's Seat of the Soul. 
I'll put it, I'll put a link in the bio to this bit. So if any of the listeners want to get hold of it, no, it sounds very interesting. Mental health in men is something that is still very stigmatized and it isn't discussed nearly as much as it should be. Why do you feel it's important that men should feel comfortable to speak out? I think it's because purely we don't. I think it's that thing of ever since I was young, you know, I was told men don't, like boys don't cry, men don't cry. Like you're supposed to be this, you're supposed to be that, you're supposed to be the provider, you're supposed to be this. And I think you grow up watching all of these movies, you grow up watching what a man is supposed to be and you don't, none of those things actually depict what a man is because what is a man supposed to be the same as what is a woman supposed to be? And I think it's that thing of, we, it's that, to, it's that toxic masculinity where I think in, in our minds, you can't, you can't, like, I don't remember crying. I think before, before maybe lockdown or like before my last relationship, maybe I, I think I'd remembered crying in my life two or three times. And that was over like something with my mum or something. And I think, you know, I, I always went through life going, we shouldn't, I shouldn't cry. Like you have to just toughen up. You have to do this. And I think I've seen it, especially during this lockdown and seeing how many, how many men have taken their lives during this lockdown. And like, I'm going to Manchester tonight for um, one of my high school friends uh, in Manchester. He, he passed away during, yeah. Um, during lockdown. So I'm going, I'm going down to Manchester for his funeral. Um, to, uh, his funeral's tomorrow and I'm going down to Manchester tonight. And I think it's that thing of, if I had known he was struggling that much, I really would have been there for him because I didn't, you know, I didn't know. And it's that thing of we don't communicate. I, I, I know I've had to start because of what's been happening during lockdown and what I've seen around me. I really, if I'm struggling, which I don't know, recently I haven't been, but that's because I'm trying to do work on a daily. And, you know, when I do things that I still think are toxic or whatever, I call myself out on it. And when I, when I am struggling, I will call my friends. I will talk to my friends. And a lot of my friends will call me when they're struggling because I always say it's that thing of please don't suffer in silence. But it's that thing of like men, it's 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 seen as, I don't know, feminine or whatever to talk about your feelings. Actually, it's, it's really healthy to talk about how you're feeling, to be completely honest with anyone who's around you and don't feel scared. Like you're not the only one who goes through ups and downs. Yeah. So I think we need to get to a place in society where men don't feel that they need to be, they need to buy into this toxic culture, this toxic man, like toxic masculinity culture of, I, I need to be like this. No, do you know what? If you're struggling, talk. Yeah. If you want to cry, cry. Like I've cried a lot because of my ex and I never cried. And I've cried because I was struggling. And I was like, it feels so good to just release. Crying mm -hmm. is a release. If you want to cry, cry, because I just think, my therapist talked about this thing like a backpack and when we experience trauma and when we experience certain things we just fill this backpack with all of those things instead of looking at them and dealing with them so it's kind of like that where we we just allow things to just build up and build up and build up and we don't talk about it we don't deal with it we just keep and it, it becomes heavy and it becomes too much at times and I think we really need to get to a point where you just talk about when you're struggling and if you want to cry, you cry. And it's, it, I think it's a society thing, but it's, it's I don't know, it's how do, you, how do we change that and how do we go about changing that? 
what do you think needs to change in society? Do you think it has to come from literally what you said, like groups of friends just having a conversation with, with each other and hopefully it will kind of the ripple effect that way? Or what, I think what? it's, I think it's that thing of like, it has to start with yourself and then yeah. your environment. And then it will, and then it will feel like it's what you said, it will filter out because I think you, you can't make a change. You can't, I, I personally don't believe that you can make a change if you don't invest that change in yourself. Yeah. And I think, so it definitely has to start with us. And then, you know, our friends, our environments, our families, and it's the same as anything, you know, if you're dealing with racism, you educate yourself on it and then you educate your, your, your peers, your family, your friends, people you're around. And, you know, it hopefully filters through. And I think, we have to get to a place where we feel comfortable enough to talk about struggles, men and women, everybody. I think it's so important to just take the time. And, and, and I think it comes, it comes down to being honest, being completely 100% honest with yourself and in turn then being honest with others around you. Because I think people struggle with that. Even in like, I don't know, even in dating, people find it very, very hard to just be honest. Just say what you're thinking. Like, I I think it's one of those things that I set myself a little boundary where I was like, whoever I'm with, friends, family, people I'm dating, whatever, I will be 100% honest with you at all times. And I'd expect the same. And if they can't, I won't, like, I just won't be there. I won't. Be. It's one of those things I just think it's very honest to have honesty in my life because I feel like for about 29 years of my life, I've gone through a lot of bullshit throughout. And, and kind of, it's that thing of, that's, goes back to that social mask of not being honest with people around me and honest with myself and I think since since seeing this therapist I think I've realized how distracted and lost I've been the last six since I started working professionally I feel like I've been I've got lost in it all and I've got lost in many many things and certain triggers and traumas that I was unaware or running away from and I think now that I've I've become aware of it. I think, I don't know. It's just, it, I think it changes your life once you're aware of your triggers, traumas, and you're working on it. Yeah, completely, completely. Something that I think is really great about just kind of hearing your, your story today is that I, I see quite a lot of um, reaching out and stuff on your social media. So you you post a lot about mental health and Sorry, my words of beyond me today. You, you post a lot on social media. It's very early, folks. I've, I've, I haven't finished my coffee either. Usually I have two shots and I've only got one. <laughs> um, but recently you put up a video on social media entitled We Will Be Free, Free to Breathe, which was so powerful, incredibly moving and so necessary for people to watch. Um, how do you think the arts can help us educate people? I think the arts changes lives, no matter what. And I think it's that thing of music. Music music hits you in a place that sometimes, it's that thing of like, you know, sometimes a director will say, why do you sing in a musical? And it's because you sing because words aren't enough in that moment. And it's yeah. that thing of like, the arts changes lives. That I would be a completely different person if it wasn't for the arts. I Like, I don't know what the kind of person I would be. I think I would not be as open as I am if it wasn't for the arts. And I think that's why I'm so disappointed in this government because they've just left the arts dry. Yeah. And especially because people turn, people go to the theatre because, 
you know what? At times they just want to escape. They just want to escape from what's going on in their lives. They just want to escape from, or they just want to be entertained and they want to feel something. And I think the art is life-changing and I can't, you know, it's that thing of like, we are, we have all been locked away for so long and, you know, some, some people have used this time to be creative. Some people haven't. It's all okay. No matter what you have done during this period, I think it's that thing of like, I've seen some people going, oh, this person is, it's like, no matter what you've done in this period, if you're happy, please just remember that's okay. And I think people need to stop judging others as well for like what they've spent this time period doing. Yeah, completely. So important. It really, really is. One of the things we're really passionate about at Tax for Actors is education. Education about tax, about self-employment, about finance. I've seen firsthand how a lack of education regarding tax and finance can have a detrimental impact on someone's career, but also on their mental health. The stress of managing money, the stress of where that next paycheck is going to come from really can't be underestimated. And I guess that's one of the driving forces behind Tax Fractors. Yes, we want to help you with your self-assessment. Yes, we want to act as your accountant. But more importantly, we want to be part of your support network as you navigate through the various stages of your career, whether that's the ups or whether that's the downs. We want to be there by your side, offering our support and our advice. So if we can help you out, our contact details can be found in the show notes, or you can drop us an email on owen at taxforactors.com. Enough of me talking. Enjoy the rest of the show. So racism is something that is being widely discussed at the moment. How have you found navigating the industry as a black man? So I think I... I think the thing that the industry has made me aware of is that, I'm, you know, I wasn't aware that I was a black actor until I started working in this industry. And I think I've always thought of myself as an actor, never a black actor. But I think, you know, the reason why this campaign started is because the review was about, you know, the review was literally 99% about me being black. And I think it's so draining when never once... Do, do we talk about a white actor, really? I, I've, I've never seen it. But I think when there's an actor of colour, there's always something about, you know, this colour of their skin, the, the I don't know, generalisation of their voice or what a black voice is supposed to sound like or what a black, you know, and I think it's that thing of we need to, we need to move away from just, I think it's it's just, you know, inherent racism that people have within them. But how do we do that? And it, it's, it's so difficult, but I think it's an important conversation that we all need to have with ourselves and then with our wider industry. Because I think I have felt that the, the lucky thing is, though, anyone who I've worked with and been around me, like my agent and stuff, they I have felt incredibly supportive throughout everything. But, you know, we, we have navigated through everything ourselves and we work and have achieved and will achieve the things that, I will set out because I will work hard to achieve the things that I set out and I will do whatever it takes. But I think we have to get to a point where we are no longer talking about race. Yeah. Because I think it's, it's just, it's just tiring. And I think it's so interesting how it's triggered so many people. Like I remember when we launched a campaign and then Lawrence Fox 
I, I don't know who he. I don't know him very like very much about what he's done or whatever. But I think I've seen this actually on your on your yeah. yeah. It made me. I mean, it made me die because I was like, bless him. Like he he's out here being triggered talking about I need to grow thick skin. I was like, bro, you should not talk to anybody about like you shouldn't talk to me about growing thick skin. I've had to grow thick skin since I was the age of seven in Austria, like. And he was like, oh, you know, you sh- as a young actor, you should, you should just, listen, talk to me about my craft. I, that will never affect me in any way whatsoever. Like, if you, but if you talk to me about the color of my skin, it's a very, very different thing. And I think this is why it's shown me, actually, the divide. I mean, everything that's going on in the world, I think, recently I have been awoken to the divide in, in, in our countries, in America, and in this country where, you know, Boris is like, oh, Britain is no, like Britain isn't racist. I'm like, Boris, bro, sit down. And all you have to do is go on. And that's why sometimes I have to take a break from social media because my God, it is exhausting the amount of racism that is out there. Yeah, but how do we change it? And I think personally, I'm, I'm such a dreamer, but I'm also a massive pessimist. And I don't think we will ever get to a point where we will completely eradicate it. I would love it because I don't want my kids to experience some of the things I have. And, you know, if I can do something in the meantime that makes my kids, my children's life in the future much easier, I will do whatever it takes. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing. That's the thing of, like, having to bring up your children and telling them that some people are going to treat them differently just because of the colour of their skin. Yeah. Yeah. How, how how do you think, I know that a lot of um, kind of, well, particularly actually in drama schools, it was brought to light, there was, I don't know if you've seen the big thread about racism within drama schools. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Educational sector is so, so important, um, but particularly in the arts, how do you think that we can create just a better industry in that sense and completely just erase racism from the educational sector and the arts? I think honestly, it comes down to pure and honest communication. When when people are experiencing microaggressions, speak up. When you are experiencing things that make you and and you know drama schools. I mean, there's so much. There is so much that happens in these drama schools that you know we just kind of were like, oh, it's fine. It's just what it is, and we have to just let it go. And and I think it's about those institutions, all of these, every institution, whether it's a drama school, whether it's a you know. Um, producers like you know whatever institution is I think we all have to take a look at our self and how we interact with one another and having open and honest conversations and feeling safe enough I think we have to create a space for people to voice their you know feelings if those feelings have been hurt or they felt that there has been some sort of racism towards them but I think a lot of people are scared to speak up because they don't want to I don't know, lose their job. They don't want to, you know, and, and I think it's, 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 it, we have to be honest and we have to have, especially when it comes to drama schools, I think, because you go there with the hope of wanting to become an actor, you know, you go there wanting to learn everything. You want to take in everything that, you know, you're given. But I think we all have to sit down, take a look at ourselves and really think about how we move forward progressively. Yeah. Completely, completely. And you are working with Equity, 
at the moment to really really make changes can you can you chat to us about the work that you're you're doing with equity yeah so it started from the review that was from one of our shows well from Oklahoma and Chichester and which the review just spoke about basically just me being black the entire time and I think I found that I mean I read it and I just saw red and I spoke to my girlfriend at the time who was with me actually when I read it and I and then I spoke to Dan Evans after and you know we we said we'd you know we'd wait to you know kind of deal with this properly and I think from then my agent wrote this manifesto my agent Mildred Yuan she wrote this manifesto which at first I think was for United Agents and actually I thought any institution should look at this so then she changed it and made it more accessible so they're different institutions so then when we finally spoke to the stage with equity the stage took the manifesto and you know they've been looking at it and working with it and I think We've been sharing it with other institutions. And now this campaign started of us trying to, not trying, we, we want to, we want to, we want reviewers and people who look at these shows and journalists, I think, to really think about the language that is used when speaking of people of color, when speaking, because I think, you know, in like one of the lines was, you know, there was images of toxic black masculinity. You know, I think it's that thing of in that show, Oklahoma, there's a lot of toxic masculinity. There is. It's it's I think that show is just full of it, you know, how men can do all of this stuff and you know get away. But for her to then speak of toxic black masculinity, I kind of went, I would love to understand what your images of toxic black masculinity are. Yeah. I still haven't had that answer yet, and I will get that answer from her one day because I think it's it's very important. She is the catalyst for all of this to happen. And I think it's very, very important that, you know, people, it, it is racist no matter what you look at, you know, and it's her inherent racism, whether she's aware or not, I think she is, because I think you can't, you know, you don't write things like that just out of nowhere. And I think we have to, this campaign has started and I think it will bring forth more, because I think the problem is, not the problem, you know, I think a lot of people share things on social media and they talk about, all of this stuff, but it's about action. And it's about, you know, I can share whatever I want, but it's about what am I gonna do? What can I do? And I actively wanted to do something because I think it's not okay. And the amount of times that I've seen, you know, people of color being spoken of in a certain way, and, and, and it's draining, like, I can't remember which one it was, where it was like, oh, this show is less garishly diverse and all of this. And you're literally just like, fuck me, like what, what, what what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. what can you do? And I think, I don't know how how do we change it step by step, and by people working from all corners, and by people working in in, in their sectors and trying to actively have these conversations. And I think, you know, from these conversations, I think some people are going to come as allies, and some people will come kicking and screaming, but they're going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. I think that that's amazing that you took something that I, I can't even imagine how that must have felt to read that review, but to take to take such a positive from it and to make implement a change mm. is is incredible. And yeah, I, I just can't can't believe that. Like literally can't believe that. I think that probably just comes down to that thing of like what J.K. said of like turning poison into medicine again. And I think I, I really, I really am trying, I think, in every aspect of my life that, like, 
you know, when I'm struggling or whatever, I give myself the time to struggle. And then I, I think about how I can then make a better situation out of it. And I think it's, especially when in regards to racing, like I've dealt with racism since I moved to Austria at age seven. So, and then in Manchester, I mean, some of the things that have happened throughout, I'm just like, I don't want my kids to experience, but I think it's that thing of, if I can do something that will positively impact that and make a slight difference or any type of difference, I will do whatever it takes. Because I think it's very important not to just talk about it on our social medias, because I think social media, I think sometimes people seem to think that social media is, is how we achieve change. And it's not. Social media is an amazing way to share information, to share the, to share what we what we want to see. But actually, the action happens in the real world. We have yeah. to still remember social media is a virtual world, and we have yeah. to make the changes in the real world. Completely, completely. And um, this has certainly been a time that's caused a lot of re- reflection throughout the arts, mm. being in lockdown. In particular, what changes do you think and hope will be implemented in the arts from, you know, when theatres can can return, kind of across the, the board with racism, mental health, treatment of creatives? I I just hope that, you know, from, from top to bottom, people have really taken note of the effects of what happened, what has happened prior in the workplace in terms of racism, in terms of discrimination, you know, in terms of, you know, even sexual harassment. I think it's it's super important that we all take a look at ourselves before we get back to work and having those open and honest and creating really, really fucking safe spaces in regards to everybody feeling heard and feeling feeling open enough and free enough and not scared enough to voice their concerns. Because I think a lot of people have felt silenced. And I think we need to create a safe space where people can speak openly and honestly. And, you know, I think we, we, we're so lucky like we are so lucky to get, you know, get paid to create and play and do some amazing, amazing, amazing work. And we bring so much joy and, happiness and you know a roller coaster of emotions to so many people like you know during lockdown everyone turned to netflix or you know all of the everyone turned to the arts during lockdown and that's what that's what breaks my heart even more with this government that everybody turned to the arts during lockdown and the arts have been left like to hang in dry and there's so many people like it's we, even with the self-employed like income support scheme like i haven't been able to but you know, so many, so many people, so many others have been left completely devoid of any help or any funding or whatever. And I think, you know, just more has to be done completely. But we really have to take a look at ourselves and the institutions have to take a look at themselves and how they're structured in terms to deal better with racism, sexual harassment and everything that goes in in the workplace. Yeah. Completely, completely. Um, this has been such a brilliant interview, by the way. Thank you so, so much, honestly, for chatting. A few more questions. Do you have any words of advice for young boys in particular who want to go into the arts but maybe aren't seeing themselves represented on stage and screen yet? I would say believe in yourself and 
like be prepared that it's not going to be easy be prepared but those people are there like trust those people are there they're working hard and they are going to be seen and so will you and I think genuinely if if this is a career path that you do want to go down and you know you don't come like I don't come from a family that could have afforded going to drama school like I could never have gone to the school if it wasn't for this scholarship that I was on so I think there is help out there and you know hopefully drama schools will I don't know, help more people in terms of moving forward, even with audition fees and everything and kind of, you know, what goes on. But I, I would say just be prepared that it's not going to be an overnight thing. Some, sometimes, some people, it is an overnight thing. You know, there's a very, very few, but or even then, just be prepared that it's going to be a hard, hard work. And be open and honest enough with yourself that when you are struggling, reach out to your friends, reach out to whoever is around you. And, you know, it's amazing. It's the best, it's the, honestly the most amazing, but also toughest job to be in. So yeah. I think it's always about being really, really good and honest with yourself and be real as well. You know, we all have dreams and aspirations, but you've also got to be real and plan. I think you've got to, I feel like how my agent likes to work and how I've now started planning myself I set myself six months plan and six months goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. And after the six months, you review. So did I achieve the things? If I didn't, why? How can I improve it for the next six months? And that is how, you know, set yourself things to do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, different, different things to kind of in aid of getting you to the goals that you want, but have clear goals because that is how you achieve things. Plan strategize and then action it amazing I'm gonna do that my six months (laughs) (laughs) but one last question before a little game we ask everyone this could you walk into a room today and say I'm having a bad mental health day oh absolutely I think my face my face wouldn't even allow me to to not (laughs) I think I'm just like my face shows everything that I'm thinking and you know if I was if I was having a bad day, I would just take myself, you know, you know, I would, I would, I would just let people around me know. And cause I just think there's nothing worse than like, you know, feeling really, really shitty and then having that social mask on. And it's all right. You can just say, you know, look guys, I'm just a bit, I'm feeling a bit, you know, whatever today, just, just don't mind. Just don't mind me. I'm just going to be a little bit quiet today and it's all right. And it's just like, whatever you're feeling like is valid. I think this is one thing that I've learned during this bit of like, you know, at times I think I've, I've maybe not understood something, especially in like relationships. Maybe I don't agree or I understand something, but it's valid whatever someone is feeling and you can't tell them otherwise. Yeah. So I think you may not understand, you may not agree, but you have to respect it. And I think that's an important lesson that I think we all have to do that you may not understand someone's feelings, views, whatever, but you have to just respect because you can't tell someone that their feelings aren't valid. Completely, completely. Thank you so, so much. Honestly, this has been a fantastic interview. Um, Kathy is listening in the, in the background there. There she is. <laughs> she says, 
Thank you so much. For the listeners, Kathy had an operation and she can't talk, sadly. So you've got my voice today. Woohoo! So <laughs> we have one last game for you. How exciting. This is finish the sentence. Okay. Are you ready? Finish the sentence. Finish the sentence. Make it good. Make it good. First one. My ideal holiday destination would be South of France. Oh, lovely. Oh, bougie. Go on. A book I'd recommend to everyone is? The Four Agreements. Pineapple on pizza is? Disgusting. <sighs> no. <laughs> Kathy, yeah, we, we always have this argument. Kathy's, Kathy's not for it. I love, uh, are, we, are we Hawaiian? I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, in, in my mind, I feel like I haven't tried it. So maybe I'll try it. I'm always up for trying new things. Yeah. So I'll get it. back to you on that. I'll get back go to you. Dominoes, because I don't like their Hawaiian, but go to like a, a proper like wood fire, you know, thin crust Hawaiian pizza place. Cheese crust. Cheese crust. Yeah, there you are. There you are. My current favorite song is. Oh God. Oh, what? <laughs> what was that? What? Okay, fabulous, fantastic. It's, it's, it's Nikki, Nikki, uh, not Nikki, fucking Cardi. Cardi oh, yeah. and yes, Megan Stallion. Yeah, I listened to that. I've literally, I think I've been playing it like every, I think I played it every day, every gym session. It's my jam. It's it's fun. It's very fun. If you haven't listened, everyone, go listen. Today <laughs> I'm grateful for. Uh, love, my friendships, my families, happiness. Amazing. My favourite Netflix watch is? Norseman. Oh, I haven't heard that. What's that? It's basically this Norwegian... It's, a, it's, a, it's basically an absolute piss take of these, like, Vikings. In, 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 it's, you just have to watch it. It's the okay. funniest thing. It's, a, it's basically Vikings, but on, on, on drugs and just... It's funny. I can't even... It's just one of my favourite things I've ever watched on Netflix. I'll give it a watch. I finished Selling Sunset, so I need something to entertain me. Have you watched Selling oh, Sunset? Oh, do you know what? I still haven't watched that. I still haven't watched it. Oh, you it. have to. That's my one to you to watch. Okay. If I was stranded on a desert island, my one item would be... Food. Any particular type? You can, have what you can, you can only have one. Oh, Singapore fried rice. Fantastic. Last one. Mental health to me is... Wealth. Amazing. Thank you so, so I was going to applaud you there for some reason. <laughs> Thank you so, <laughs> Thank you so Thank much you. for chat to us today. Um, you've been fantastic. Kathy, I'm sure, is sitting trying to smile behind her swollen face. Oh, Kathy, <laughs> rest up, rest this up. I am. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so much. You're a legend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us on our email, which is info at industryminds.co.uk. For all counselling inquiries, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at industrymindsuk. There you can keep up to date with all our latest announcements. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.